stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. Is we need to be the embodiment of all of the things that we talk. Because I think we're becoming a, a community of just lit professors. And this is not a lit professed thing. Pretty much gaslighting, um, when I seen it used, because I know it has to do with psychology, is making the victim feel like they're crazy. Right? So a good example would be like, you know how you know how you are at work and then you have you go to a job that's predominantly white. And you, you tell your white colleagues, like, hey, I was at a store one day. And um, listening to the Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. <laughs> hey, this is Larry Thomas here on the Vol School Podcast. You're listening to Psycho Vonner's Fly Guy Podcast. Support, like, Subscribe and share. He's saying some good things. Share it. Don't keep it to yourself. All right, peace and prosperity, beloved. It's time for another great episode. It's time for another great episode of Get On Code, the Fly Guys Show, uh, where we have a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our collective situation. Today's going to be an interesting show. We're going to be dealing with, do we support sisters the way we need to support sisters? Um, I got a chance to spend a lot of time with my good friend, Dan Trezomi. Uh, Dan Trezomi put together a beautiful piece uh, recently where he was discussing gaslighting. And gaslighting is the behavior where you throw a little... Yeah, you pretty much start a fire where there was some gas available. And Danny's position is that um, brothers are gaslighting instead of supporting sisters. And sisters have always stood up for us first. Sisters have always stood up first so that we could have some benefit. We could have some movement. We could have some improvement. Danny's position is sisters stand up first. And if you look back at our movements, he's going to say you're going to find that sisters stood up first and we need to better support them. We need to better support these sisters. Yeah, peace, Georgia. We need to support sisters like Georgia Porter. No doubt. Danny's position was we need to better support our sisters. Um, So we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about... uh, Gaslighting. We're going to be talking about supporting our sisters. We're going to be talking about some of the things that we're doing that aren't necessarily beneficial. Uh, we have Brother Frederick Jones L. We have Natalie Purdy. And we're hoping that Brother Dan Trezomi gets a chance to tap in. We're hoping that Dan Trezomi gets a chance to tap in. We want to salute the ancestor, Rosa Parks, uh, who worked at Hampton University, uh, who also is a sister that did a lot of work for us. So, on the show today, we have Sister Natalie Purdy. How you doing, Natalie? I'm good. Hi, I'm good. How are you? All right. And we have Brother... uh, I'm I'm doing beautifully. I'll leave it at that. Uh, We also have (laughs) Brother Frederick Jones L. from the Morris Science Temple. How you doing, Fred? Peace. What's going on? All right, good, good, good. Um, wow, Natalie has some great information that um, she shared 
with me just a few moments ago that she's going to be on the the Discovery Channel, right? Tell us yes, about tomorrow. that, Natalie. Yes, tomorrow night at 10 o'clock, I'll be on Investigation Discovery Channel. Um, the name of the show is um, Your Worst Nightmare, and my episode is He's Back. Wow. Who's back? The person who attacked me. Okay, okay. So as you can see, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, friends and family, uh, Sister Natalie is a survivor who speaks up, and she's the survivor's voice. She's become the voice for other women who are dealing with challenging situations. So we definitely want to salute her. Uh, Dan Trezomi, who was pretty much running our show today, for some reason, having a little chance tapping on. So if you came on to watch Dan Trez Omi, at this point, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to join us or not. But we do have Sister Natalie Purdy, and we have uh, Frederick Jones L. How you doing, Fred? Tell us about you and what you're doing in the uh, Jersey area. Oh, well, uh, prior to uh, COVID-19, uh, prior to this whole COVID-19 pandemic, um, I was working with with three uh, organizations here locally. Uh, it's called Black Men United. The second one is um, Being More United. And the third one, the name escapes me at the moment, but basically what we would do is we would uh, do community outreach. We would uh, coordinate uh, town hall meetings locally so that concerned citizens could come and address whatever their gripes are. We would attend city council meetings, right? And make our voice be heard. And we would do community advisory board, which I had a chance to do one recently prior to it. And we just get involved in the community. We reach out to our city uh, council members and our, our respective wards. And we were feeding, uh, we were feeding the homeless every Sunday, but of course, during COVID that kind of changes things now and then you just don't know uh, what's in play versus what's not because you know they'll come and say things are open, limited then they come back and say there's new cases of COVID so don't do this so you just don't know what's a green light versus what's a gray area but yeah but anyway that's what we were doing uh, here locally and, and uh, yeah so beautiful beautiful we want to salute you and all your hard work Today's show is being sponsored by Tally and Twine. Tally and Twine has some beautiful watches. It's time for you to get a exquisite timepiece from a black-owned organization called Tally and Twine. They have great watches. These are some of the men's watches. They have the sexy watches for the ladies. I personally have this watch. Yes, I have the black with black leather brand watch. Uh, from Tally and Twine. So you can find them at tallyandtwine.com. Tallyandtwine.com. They have beautiful watches. And I'm your friend in financial freedom, credit repair, tax resolution, <laughs> consolidation, private money lending. Uh, so get in contact with me. We can take care of you in so many ways. But today, we want to talk about taking care of our sisters. Today, we want to talk about taking care of our sisters. And Brother Danny shared this information that for every black woman who reports rape, at least 15 
black women do not report weight for every 15 so um yo natalie why does this speak to you uh, um, it speaks to me because a lot of times rape, sexual assault is one of the key elements of domestic violence. Many times the victims are um, face a, um, sexual assault over and over again in a relationship. And just because you're in a relationship does not mean that it's not rape. <sighs> is there really that much silence? with sisters in our community? Absolutely, because of the stigmatism um, that, and like we'll be talking about the gaslighting, the victim blaming, um, that so many victims are faced with. Um, you know, typically a lot of times when a woman does face sexual assault, it's the shame of it all that you've been violated and exploited and then to have to deal with people that second guess it, they victim blame, they question you, it makes it even worse. And a lot of times um, the perpetrators get away with it. So that's also what leads to a lot of silence. Um, they don't want to go to court because I don't want to be put on the stand and for everyone to know that this has happened and then on top of that to be interrogated in such a way a lot of times um, what victims deal with in the very beginning is when they call the police and if you don't have the right police officer that is trained um, emotionally you're already distraught so when someone's coming at you with a lot of questions even if it is to try and solve it it can come across as a blame type thing. And then to have to go to the hospital and go through the, um, the rape kit and the stripping of your clothes and all of those things, it, it, it just leads to more silence again. Wow. Um, do you think that this silence that you just spoke about is one of the reasons why brothers don't step up and support sisters? Or are there any other reasons why sisters are not getting the support they need from us? I think that sometimes our brothers, um, but just anyone, they don't know. If you've never experienced it, um, again, it's something that everyone's silent about. So how would you know how to deal with someone? We don't have enough discussions to say, hey, if someone, if this happens to someone you know, this is how you should deal with it. Um, whether it's to get them help or just to be there, um, their, their emotional support. A lot of brothers just don't know. And so typically, human nature, we want to know what happened, but how we ask what happens comes across. But what did you do? Um, you know, in my story, when people hear and they say, you mean to tell me someone stabbed you over 30 times and this was your boyfriend? Well, what did you do? And I say, I can't think of anything that could justify someone wanting to stab me that many times. When you said you love me and you wanted to marry me, I don't understand. So it's the same thing. What were you wearing? Where were you at? Were you not paying attention? See those questions. Were you not paying attention? 
that's a blame. What did you have on? Okay, so now you're trying to say I asked for it. Even if I decided to wear a, a, a skirt over my knees or maybe I had cleavage, you know, these type of things. Um, were you drinking? You know, all of those things. And again, and even when it comes to date rape, well, you were with him late at night. So what did you expect? We've seen that with celebrities um, where the woman comes to their hotel room. A lot of times they're not looking and intending to have sex. They just idolize that person. They... You know, they're groupie, they're a fan, and I just want to meet them. And I know if I met him at the show, I couldn't get an intimate conversation to pick his brain. Whether I just want to know how he made it to fame, or if I want to know how he got there, or I just want to say, hey, I'm your biggest fan. Can I be in charge of your fan page? Whatever is my reason for being there late at night may not even be thinking that I'm going to have sex because I'm a fan, you understand? Okay. So you know, I can go to that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, that 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 number is shocking. That number is really shocking. Uh, one out of what? Let me read it again. For every black woman who reports rape, at least 15 black women do not report. Dan Trezomi is tapping in. How are you doing, Aki? All right, he's uh, slowly tapping oh, in. Dan, Dan <laughs> he's slowly tapping in. Uh, Dan Trez Omi is the gentleman who pinned a recent podcast that dealt with that. Uh, that dealt with what we're dealing with today, which is gaslighting and do we support sisters enough? So one in four black women will be sexually abused before the age of 18. And one in five black women are survivors. 35% of black women experience some form of contact sexual violence during their lifetime. 40 to 60% of black women report being subjugated to coercive sexual contact by age 18. In the U.S., 38% of black women express sexual violence other than rape during their lifetime. That 38% is over half. 38% is over half. 38% is over half. These numbers are shocking, and I understand why Brother Dan Trezomi decided that we needed to kind of discuss this. Um, So, many cultural considerations can hinder healing. So, we're going to talk about some of those cultural considerations, you know, hinder healing healing. We're going to talk about some of those things. And the great thing is we have Brother Frederick Jones L. from the Moore Science Temple. The Prophet Noble Dry talked about some things that can prevent these problems and maybe help some of the sisters. Um, this stuff is just, is just really dysfunctional and disturbing. Because of African Americans' unique history of racist and sexual victimization, the black community has an even harder time than others dealing with rape. Now, this is just dealing with rape. Uh, I'll put up the references that Dan Trez brought. This is just dealing with rape. But, you know, when we deal with gaslighting and we deal with some of the other things that we're going to be discussing today, 
Dan Trez does an excellent job of discussing these issues on his podcast. So, on the Fly Guys show, one of the people who helped start the Fly Guys show, uh, I want to introduce the great brother, Dan Trez Omi. How you doing, bro? You I'm good, good, man. Bro? Peace. Good to see you, man. Peace to the family. Ashe, Ashe. We got brother Dan Trez Omi. As you see, I have one of the visuals from his great podcast called Where My Killer Tape At. Oh, you can find <laughs> it on Sound. Yes, uh, sir. Where else can you find it, bro? Where can you find the podcast? Okay, well, I know I see it on SoundCloud. Um, and this is what we're talking about. U-I-T-Y stands for gaslighting. So in one of his recent episodes, he talked about gaslighting. And he got talked about menage um misogynoir. I'm, I think I'm saying that wrong. Uh, it's misogyny and noir. So misogyny no, you got it right. You got it right. No, you got it right. Okay. Yeah, you got it. And gaslighting. Yeah. Um. So we're going to deal with these four things in the topic tonight. Massaging the war and gaslighting. Black men use the concept of unity to gaslight black women. Should black women hold us more accountable? And the gender wars. So let's start with the first one, man. Tell us, give us some operational definitions on misogyny and gaslighting, Dan Trash. Alright, so <laughs> uh, No problem uh, Brother Frederick Jones L Are you familiar with the term misogynoir? Um, I am familiar with What misogyny is The term misogynoir I'm not exactly sure But I but it has to have Some roots I guess Or has to be related to the term misogyny Or what is considered misogynistic So yeah. Right. It's uh, massage noir is pretty much misogyny towards black women. Misogyny towards black women. All right. Uh, Natalie, Natalie, have you ever heard Good. the term massage noir? Yeah. I have not. Yeah. Okay. Now, not. is that an actual yeah. term or is that something that's made up? But every term in the world has been made up, brother. You and I know that. <laughs> every every right. name, every concept, every title has been made has been made up. So, uh, Dan Trez, maybe you can give us a little more background on massage noir. Where did it come from, Dan Trez? That is a term that the sister Moya Bailey put together, and Moya Bailey um, came up with the term. She was the first one to coin the term, and then Trudy. Of gradient layer, she's the one that defined it. So it was two black women that came up with that term, um, and it's a term that's that's that centered in intersectionality because a lot of times we have different identities that are related to each other, right? So yes, there is misogyny, but a lot of times when we talk about misogyny, we exclude black women. So misogynoir kind of like it's you know says you know this is a hatred and violence towards black women. All right, and what is uh, what's your term of gaslighting? What's your definition of gaslighting? Um, it's pretty much like the it's pretty much gaslighting. Um, when I seen it used, because I know it has to do with psychology, is making the victim feel like they're crazy. Right. So a good example would be like you know how you know how you are at work and then you have you go to a job that's predominantly white, 
and you you tell your white colleagues like, hey, I was at a store one day, and um, the security was following me around, you know. And usually they'll you say, hey, that's racism, and they'll say, no, nah, that's not racism. You was probably looking suspicious. What were you wearing? They start asking you all these different questions, and you kind of like makes you feel like maybe I'm the one that's tripping. But it's it's a term that comes from psychology where they make the victim feel like they're the ones that are crazy, that those things are not really happening to them. Wow. Uh, I wasn't familiar with the term until I listened to your podcast yesterday. I thought I knew what the term gaslighting meant. Um, But the way you just defined it is making someone feel like they're crazy. Um, Natalie, you had a a A, a victim making a yeah, making a making a victim. What was your definition? So like, just like this. Go ahead, Danny. I was just saying, uh, I just want to point out that I want to focus on the victim, right? A victim will come to someone and say, hey, this happened to me. Like security was following me in the store. And the person always says to them, well, maybe you did something to make security follow you in the store. And everybody starts to doubt you, right? Um, and then you start to think maybe I was wrong. Maybe security wasn't following because I'm black. Maybe they just was doing a job. But usually we got to focus on the victim where we make the victim like there's something wrong with them or, or they're crazy. Okay. Um, and you further say that black men use the concept of unity to gaslight black women. Can you go a little into that, Danny? Um, I don't know if you had noticed there was a situation. Um, there was a young woman in um, Florida. She was an activist. Uh, Toying. She's uh, she's Yoruba, and she she had made national headlines, and she was on on the news. Uh, she was 19 years old, and then she was sexually assaulted and murdered by a black man. So um, a lot of black women were saying, "Hey, we need to talk about." Um, you know, domestic violence, you know, intimate partner violence, sexual assault, sexual abuse, abuse by black women at the hands of black men. So, you know, just like all, just like with every uprising that's happening, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, we need to talk about this issue. And a lot of black men are saying, well, we need to be focused on unity right now. We can't really be focusing on that issue right there. So a lot of times black men use the idea of we need to be united in this struggle right now, we can't really talk about sexual assault or uh, rape or domestic violence right now because we need to be focusing on unity. And that's a form of gaslighting, right? That's a form of gaslighting. That's a form of saying, your your issue right now doesn't matter. This issue matters first. Um, and then we'll deal with that later. And that's a form of gaslighting. So that's why I made that title, uh, UNITY is a, is a form of gaslighting. So. Uh, Natalie, you got a chance to check out Danny's podcast. What were your thoughts? Oh, I was so, I, it was just so very informative. I found myself the whole time just agreeing with everything that he said because it was, it was so on point. And so I hope that our listeners will go back and listen to that podcast because it's, it's really great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, furthermore, Danny, you said that uh, should black women hold us accountable? So uh, we're using all of these points to kind of frame the conversation we're going to have later on. So when you said should black women hold us accountable, you know, what was your real question, man? Uh, because a lot of uh, a lot of men say to me, 
um, we ain't got time for this right now. They'll say, no, we don't need to hold it. So a good example would be, we just had a situation with Tyler Quelly on Twitter where his account got suspended, where he was just harassing this black woman for about two to three weeks, right? And none of his fans held him accountable. Like, none of his fans were like, yo, bro, you, you, you still harassing this woman for more than two weeks? Like, I, I get your point. I see where you was coming from, but must harass her for two, you know, two and a half weeks? And none of us was asking that question. Black women were holding him accountable, but black men, you know, we're his fans. We were not holding him accountable. Um, and, and that happens. That's something that I see consistently happen in our community where we don't hold we don't hold the brothers accountable for for the things that they that, you know, for the, the crimes they do against our sisters. So, yes, we do need to hold them accountable. No one is above reproach. No one. You know, and actually, actually, um, I find that if you don't want to be held accountable, if you feel like we don't need to hold these brothers accountable, you're actually anti-black. You're actually counter-revolutionary. You know what I'm saying? Because if we're talking about liberation, if we're talking about Black Lives Matter, then all Black Lives Matter, right? Our women and our children, they matter too, just as much as Black men. So yes, we do need to hold them accountable. Um, and 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 you know, it's not like it's not like our sisters are asking us to build castles, right? They're not saying, hey, you got to build each and every one of us a castle, right? You got to put it. They're not. They're just saying that. Look, this this brother right here assaulted me. Or he, you know, he, um, he he abuses me. We need to hold them accountable, and let's let's hold them accountable. Uh, Sister Natalie, are you are you used to having this type of talk from quote unquote melanated black men? No. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> simple no. Um, Brother Frederick Jones L. Man, you're involved with the Morris Science Temple. Um, how well do you? And I know that you don't use the term "black" embracingly, bro. I, I, but, but we're all good here. We already we know we're all good here. Do yeah, you we're think that we're, uh, Do you think that we're not doing a good enough job in supporting our sisters? You know, uh, what about you in the MST? Is that happening in the MST ranks? Well, I'll say, uh, from a more science temple of America perspective, I haven't heard of a rank-and-file card-carrying member uh, abusing his life partner or his mate or his wife. Now, that doesn't mean that it it isn't or hasn't been a a reality as far as the MST of A is concerned. But I just haven't heard it uh, at any of the temples that I fellowship at with any of the members that I fellowship with. But... Also, at the same time, I wanted to say that I don't think that this is a so-called black issue. This is a issue dealing with humanity. You know, this is an issue dealing with uh, human rights. You know, how can you treat another human human being like that? You know, because there's what we call uh, interracial couples who go through this. You know, this happens um, with migrants. This happens in the so-called white community. So it's, you know, so it's not a, it's not just a problem with us. You know, it's a widespread thing. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's an issue that we need to uh, tackle. And I think what it all boils down to, uh, so that I'm not long-winded, but it's about being the embodiment of the lessons that is taught in the school of thought that you belong to. Because none of the groups teach that you should abuse your life partner. So if you're doing that, 
you're not the message that you bring. And that's a problem. Like the very word Islam means peace. So the minute that you raise your hand to strike your mate is the minute that you're transgressing against the very thing that you say that you are. So, you know, we just need to be the message that we bring, I think. So, yeah. Uh, you know, you bring up an interesting point that none of our schools of thought say that it's okay to abuse our life partners, particularly women. But, Danny, you can speak to this a little better than I can. Are any of our organizations and our lines and schools of thought teaching us that we need to stand up for our sisters? Um, I, I, and speaking to what speaking to what Brother L was talking about, uh, um, most of them say you got to protect your family. Right. I, you know, I, I've never been anywhere. I'm not I'm not a religious person, but I've never been anywhere where it was like, you know, beat your wife. You know, what I'm saying like I've never been anywhere where anyone actually said that to me. But what I have seen is I have seen and it's not just it's not just in religious organizations. It's, it's everywhere. I have seen where where uh, a notable member of that organization or that religious institution um, is um, when they do something, when they do abuse their partner or they do abuse or they do abuse someone that they work that works for them, or they abuse a colleague, or they do something to someone. What I have seen is those institutions protect the perpetrator. I've seen that happen consistently um, across the board. Whether we're talking about the church, whether we're talking about universities, whether we're talking about just recently the comic book industry, right? We're learning that all these com- great comic book writers were abusing the women that work for them. So, like, yeah, it's across the board. So, yeah, so there's so it's not just. I'm not saying that they that they um, patri- what patriarchy is is a system, right? White capitalist, uh, white capitalist, um, patriarchy, white supremacist capitalist patriarchy is a system, and it's all connected, right? And they do protect the perpetrators, right? So you'll see you see them closing ranks, right? Um, and again, gaslighting the victim or getting ostracizing the victim or or you know get you know firing the victim or demoting them or moving them to, to a place that they don't want to work at. We see that happen consistent. We also see not just the system do it, but people that are in those institutions do the same thing. They'll, they will ostracize that person. They will they will um, further victimize the victim in doing so. And, and, and again, the system kind of protects them. The institution protects them. So we see that happen consistently. Hmm. Now, Natalie, you've been involved with a lot of organizations who are uh, supporting women who've been in abusive situations. Um, does gaslighting or does the uh, a situation where somebody's demeaned and not believed, does that play a big part in the lives of the women who are abused? A huge part, because what happens with the gaslighting is it triggers them. And it triggers them to think back to the abuse um, that can have many uh, repercussions, such as suicide, um, turning to alcohol and drugs, um, becoming even more silenced, going back into that situation because they've been gaslighted. So they believe that they deserve it. So they've gone back. And I just want to go back one second and say um, another organization that condones and will protect the perpetrator is our military. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're saying that our people, our brave soldiers who fight for our freedom, they're some of the main perpetrators in, in abuse? Number one. And I speak not just from statistics, I speak on a personal level as well. 
So I've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Who's number two? Um, just society. Like, for example, the young lady who's missing right now. Um, and there was a big cover-up about her being missing. And now the military saying they'll do an investigation. But in the beginning, they really tried to sweep it under the carpet. And this has happened to so many women in the military that have been sexually assaulted. Um, have been killed. Um, I don't know if you remember the young black um, woman that was just killed over at, um, it wasn't Oceana, Little Creek. Do you remember she left? They, they named a law after. Yeah. Remember she left work and then they, and she got killed by the men, but in the beginning the military was not on point because it happened so often in the military. And what they do is they protect the soldiers. Wow. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, well, we, we've been dealing with gaslighting and it just kind of blended itself, I guess, into abuse towards women. Uh, Brother Frederick Jones L., if I joined the Moore Science Temple and then my, my mate, my wife, joined as well. How protected would she be by the teachings of Noble Drew Ali? Uh, She would be well protected uh, by the teachings and so would you. But it's all about who are you sincere or not? Do you is your intent to come in and live with it what is taught because it's not that the teachings and how we practice it's not if whether or not that's going to protect you it's are you going to protect yourself because see those teachings was brought to save you from yourself like I mentioned in a previous uh, discussion that we had is that man is flawed you know we're imperfect so these a lot of these things that was put into place by founder of the more science temple prophet noble drew ali and many others that came as redeemers these things was bought to save you from yourself so it's about choices you know are you serious or not not you per se but the individual who's coming into the teachings of the illustrious prophet noble drew ali because the, the things that i call preventative maintenance rather or are things that are there to prevent you from going low, it's there. It's there. But it's how serious are you? You see? So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Natalie, I know that you've been dealing with a lot of different types of women. How likely is a woman who's involved in one of the local religious organizations, are, are they safer in a religious organization being bound by, you know, being bound by their church or being bound by their mosque or their synagogue or their their house of worship are they in a safer position because they're there no not at all in fact sometimes it could be more dangerous because um, a lot of times in in religion people may focus on keeping the family together and not really knowing 
how critical it is to get her the most important help. Um, sometimes people can send you back into that by saying, you know, um, taking the word and making it their interpretation and not really what the what it really means. And so they may say, you may want to try and make it work. And then a gaslighting again. Oh, well, maybe you're taking, maybe you're more sensitive. Maybe he didn't mean it like that. Or maybe if he did it one time, but he told you he wouldn't do it again, maybe you should believe him. And so- No, no, there's closet in my bedroom. And then you do have a lot of people that say it's not my business. Even in the religious realm. They don't want to get a- You don't have to go through a lot to get to my bedroom. Okay. Okay. Hey, uh, Dan Trez, you're getting some feedback on your line, bro. Um, Dan okay, Trez only has joined us again. And, brother, I uh, was just speaking with Natalie, and she was sharing that within some of the religious circles, there seems to be even more there seems to be even more problems in the religious circles. I know that you uh, have moved away from religion, and, you know, you don't believe in... Uh, I, I can't... I don't want to say... The way you put it was beautiful. You said, I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. I don't believe in this. <laughs> uh, I thought that was kind of interesting the way you put it. But do you find that there's more gaslighting in the religious situations? Yeah, yes. Um, and a lot of it is just because there's, number one, there's a personality in religious organizations, right? The, the head priest, you know, the pastor, the reverend, whoever, their word is like, official you cannot question their word even when they're wrong i mean look at just with the covid situation you've seen a lot of pastors oh i can't get covid uh, continue religious services and then guess what they got covid right so um you have that situation where what they say is you know so if they say i didn't do it most people believe them right um the second thing is that you look at pastors and we look at religious leaders as infallible but they're not professionals right so i've seen people in religious circles giving advice on mental health that was actually dangerous. I've seen uh, people get information about, oh, you don't have, you don't suffer from depression, you just need Jesus. Like, I've heard stuff like that. And I think that's actually harmful and dangerous. So when people need, you know, therapy, when people need to go to rehab or something like that, I don't see a lot of religious organizations saying, hey, you might want to, we might want to refer you to those services. You know, uh, being an educator, I have students who have come to me with stuff, and I said, you know, I think you need to see a, a, a mental health professional, professional, because that's they know what to do. They're the ones that that can help you out way better than me, way above what I can do, right? Um, but I don't see that happening in religious organizations a lot. I see a lot of times people are, um, you know, closing ranks again um, and listening to what that you know whoever's in charge says, right? Oh, oh. Yeah, I wanted to touch on. Um, go ahead, go yeah, ahead, I wanted bro. to touch on uh, something that my dear brother said. Uh, as far as churches being open during COVID nineteen, for the record, I wanted to say most churches abided by the law. Most pastors are law abiders, and most churches were closed during COVID. You had a a, a very small percentage of churches that were open that didn't follow the law, and we've seen the consequences of that. Now, also, so let me say this. All of the lawfully chartered Morris Science Temple of America were not open during COVID. And lastly, what I'll say too is most pastors, all right, in the Christian church, 
will not lead you astray as far as going to see a, a medical expert for whatever issues that need to be addressed. Also, Grand Sheiks of the Morris Science Temple of America will always tell you to go see one professional or another for whatever issues you're having. All right, whether you're having legal issues, whether you need to go see a medical care provider, okay, or whether you need uh, okay. counseling. All right, so I wanted to be clear on that. Okay, y'all don't want the smoke. I get it. The more science simple don't want the smoke. I get it, bro. <laughs> we clean here. <laughs> now I'm just messing with you, bro. I'm messing with you, uh, right. brother Danny. We talked about this term, the gender wars. And in your podcast, you discussed the gender wars. What were you talking about, bro? I, well, I didn't discuss the gender wars. What I said was a lot of times when people, will, will, they'll say there's a gender war, right? They'll say, well, what brothers and sisters need to do is they need to get together and try to unite um, and let's fix these gender wars. And I'm like, there's no such thing as gender wars, and especially in our community. There's no gender war. There, you know, if anything... No, um, if anything, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for nobody else. And all the couples, I, all the couples I hang out with, all the people that I know that they date or marry or whatever, is with black people. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like um, I might know a couple that is interracial, but everyone I know is coupled with everybody I know dates exclusively black. So it's, there's not a gender war issue, but that's also a form of gaslighting, right? They'll say, "Well, it's a gender war," when really. What, what you know? What, what sisters are asking us to do once again is to hold ourselves accountable and to do what we're supposed to do. So I really try to. When people ask me that question, I try to avoid that and say, "Yeah, that's not what's going on." Um, it's 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 a nice way to get clicks. You know, it's a nice way to um, you know let's do a show on gender wars and stuff like that. It's a good way to get. It's a nice, funny discussion you can have at work. But there is no such thing as like a gender war. Okay. Hey, I noticed that uh, n- that Natalie was talking about two people in. Sp- in specific, Vanessa and Ashanti. What did, why did you want to bring them up, Natalie? They were the two that I was talking about. Vanessa is the one who just recently they just found her body. Uh, oh wow! And that's when oh, wow. her, her family was really distraught about the fact that the military took so long to even oh, open yeah. up an investigation. It wasn't until they made enough noise. And um, with Ashanti, um, she was the young lady in Norfolk that the man kidnapped her from the base and took her and they found her body in North Carolina. And her parents lived out of town. And so, again, it took a while for them to be able to come to Virginia, find out that she was missing and get them to open an investigation and start to look for her. And that's just an example um, of how the military, because they're so used to protecting, you know, the soldiers that that was one of the reasons that they did not want to open an investigation because then it might, they weren't sure who the perpetrator was. And so worried about if it's one of ours, how we have to protect them. And that's just a code that they've had for the longest. If you ever have gone to traffic court, especially living in Virginia, you see the military people come in and they always come with someone of a higher rank with them to, to basically be on there on their behalf to try and get them out of whatever it is that they're coming to court that's just what the mm-hmm. military does and so they do that a lot with domestic violence so in the case of Ashanti and Vanessa Danny could we say that's uh, systematic 
gaslighting. I want to say I want to say that's uh it, I mean it is a I, what happened with Vanessa. I'm, I'm familiar with Vanessa's case. Um, there's a lot of things that we don't know because we don't know who did it. But I um you know we don't know who did it. But I I can bring you many women that were in the military that. Uh, were sexually assaulted, were abused, whether it was by a co-worker or by, uh, you know, a partner. And when they told their command, nothing was done. You know what I'm saying? So um, they were, you know, again, I, I even had a friend who was who was intoxicated and, and she was told that, well, if you wasn't drinking, that never would have happened to you. So that's a form of gaslighting, you know. Um, and, and again, I'm going to reiterate what I said earlier. It's not just the system. It's actually kind of like a culture. Everyone else is kind of like, well, yeah, see, you shouldn't have been drinking. You know, you shouldn't have been doing that. What were you doing over there? And it's never like, you know, I, I noticed that with, with, when it comes to crimes against women, um, they always question the victim. It's never like, let's say, for example, somebody breaks into your house. You're never asked, well, did you leave your front door open? You're never asked, you know, were you flashing your, your 50 screen TV or whatever? They just want to know what happened. But when it comes to crimes, again, women, particularly in sexual assault and domestic violence, you know, we always put it on the victim. You know, we always put the onus on the victim. Um, and I see that happening. I saw that happen in the military and with the case of, you know, um, Vanessa, like, an orphan on deaf ears. No one did anything. Yeah, I wanted to chime in um, on that. Uh, dear brother, say cool if I may, as far as... Uh, uh, victims of domestic violence who were military members. I am an ex-military member. Uh, so I'll say from what I've seen from my experience, whenever one significant other had made an accusation of domestic violence in the home or any kind of violence in the home, uh, my command in particular would restrict the husband or the head of the household to the ship until a thorough investigation was done, either by local uh, uh, law enforcement or by the military. I served four years in the U.S. Navy. I served on board a, uh, a Spruance-class destroyer, the, the, uh, the uh, USS Elliott, uh, home ported out of San Diego, California. So I've seen in events where, again, the wife or the mate of the service member contacted the command, they took action immediately. And I would also like to see what the numbers are uh, on that. Like, how often do these types of murders occur? Like, I would like to know what the numbers are on that. Because if this is something that's widespread, it sure seems to be to be swept under the rug, I guess. So I would like to see how prevalent it is. Is it swept under the rug? It seems to me like I've seen these numbers. Uh, uh, Natalie, what are you thinking? I've seen the numbers. I just don't have them right at hand. Um, I could definitely get those for you. And not that I'm doubting, but I would just like to see. Oh yeah, what the numbers say that's all. Yes. Yeah. So what? If we look at the numbers, what will we learn? Well, we would find out if it's really something that's widespread, or if these are just isolated cases. Because my command, when I was a service member, they didn't play any of that. Even if your significant other called up and she embellished a little bit, your tail would be restricted to the vessel until they found out what was going on. That's how they were handling that. Now, every command is not the same. And see, we got to remember, uh, the United States military is not just, it's not a one size fits all, meaning it's just not one whole board and one. 
there's there's um it's isolated like it's compartmentalized like we'll take the navy for example you know there's a thousand ships and they're not all ran the same so what the uss elliott may do which is what i was on the roosevelt may be different you know they're high brass maybe pieces of you know what versus my command they're they're enforcing the law to the team you know they're going to hold you to the letter of it so that's an issue that needs to be addressed as well so well see i'm wondering though if if we saw the numbers natalie what would the numbers tell us you've seen the numbers what would the numbers tell us that it is the numbers would say that it, it is a problem is a major issue um, across the board um, I do definitely agree with King that you have different ships you have different commands that run totally different I do agree that you do have a lot of them they're trying to change it I can say that you have some that um, may condone it, may sweep it under the rug, but it is um, it is definitely there. Um, while I was in Virginia, they had mandated trainings at um, Oceana yep. about domestic violence. And so I spoke to the soldiers twice at the training. Um, and it's um, I did learn one thing about the training. The, um, after the training the MPs had more work to do they have not figured that out why that is just yet but they have the mandated training that you have to go to and afterwards the MPs that night they would have more cases than usual ooh they would have more cases than usual the soldiers would go home and be their wives Uh, Dan Trez, any any, I, I I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, I'm I'm kind of just. I wanted to ask one thing to the sister. I think I think um no 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 I think that um no no I think I, I think we, on a previous show that I was on, we had a discussion about domestic violence. We were talking about um um how during COVID the instances of domestic violence came up, it went up the the rates went up, and my response to that was, it wasn't at the rate up. Is that more and more people reported it because fewer victims had places to go? All right, you know there was a time where if if uh, uh, if uh, one partner beat their spouse, that spouse can go to her mother's house. They can go to their house. They can go to a friend's house. But when everything was at the stay-at-home order, a lot of people didn't have anywhere to go, so they had to call. And that's why those reports went up. My point was that. Domestic violence is very high in all communities. This is that a lot of it doesn't get reported. Right? It's very high. It's a much, it's much, it's much higher than what we know. It's much more numbers. This is that stuff does not get reported. And I and I really want to point that out because oftentimes the victims and, and and look, I deal with IP IPV and domestic violence issues consistently. Right? And usually when it is reported to me. The victim usually admits that there's a there's more than one incident. They just felt safe enough to report this particular incident. All right. So we have to be really mindful of that, um, that a lot of cases just do not get reported several for several reasons. Right. For several reasons. A lot of it is a lot of times we, we do protect the perpetrators. 
and we don't just protect the perpetrators yeah. in domestic violence. Uh, it seems like I mean when we see what's happening in the streets right now with the uh, with the uprising and the protests, power to the protesters with the uprisings. It, we're saying that we need across the board to stop protecting the victimizers. We're saying that with the military, like you just talked mm-hmm. about. Uh, we're saying that with our our, and I'm saying our, O-U-R, our police force, that we need to stop protecting the victims. Um, so is, is this just indicative of America? You know, I mean... Wh- yeah, I wanted to ask the sister a question relative to a, a something that she said when she said that after the military service members had the domestic violence training that night um, the numbers went up so I wanted to ask when you said soldiers was that just the branch of the army because there's four branches there's the air force there's the navy there's the army and then there's the marine corps so was that just one branch or was that all across the board that's what I wanted to ask that was um, all across the board. I believe majority of them were Navy. That was at Oceana, so they have more than just Navy there. But majority Navy. Right. All right, so do we value sisters? Do we Does, does our culture value our sisters? What do you say, Dan Tress? No. I say, um, I say, I was about to say no. I was about to say no. Um, we say that we do, right? We, we, you know, in hip hop, I'm, you know, I'm from hip hop culture. We say queens. We call our sisters queens. We talk about queens. We talk about queens, 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 queens. But our actions speak otherwise. You know, our actions really speak otherwise. You know, I hear it. I hear us talk about it, how we should respect our sisters and everything. But we do that, you know, again, using Tyler Corley for a good example. We just saw what happened to him with his situation where he's someone I thought, you know, one of my favorite hip hop songs is Brown Skin Lady. I love that song. But he yeah. spent two and a half weeks harassing the sister online. And it's just like, wow, you know, like, come on. Yeah. Well, I think I think um, I think in our community, we want it both ways and you can't have it both ways. And what I mean by that is I think the multitudes supports a culture that has our families just in chaos, just in confusion. When you look at the things that we support, you know, like some of these shows where um, it's promoting going to jail, you know, you get notches under your belt for that. It's promoting not really the abuse of, of women, but it's promoting disrespect. So, you know, that's a stage or that's a stop that could lead to the next stage. You know, we're promoting gang culture. We're promoting drugs. We're promoting just chaos and division so we promote that on one end meaning no one really says anything about that all right as far as the high brass in our community is concerned but then we act outrage when we hear of uh something in the news like in current events like we'll take tory lanes for example i think he fired a weapon and he struck a young lady who's also in the hip-hop culture i think her name is megan the stallion am i saying that right he shot her in the foot. You know, they had some type of altercation and it went to the physical. But we support all of the things that leads to that. So you can't have it both ways. Either you are supporting things that's against that or you're supporting that. So I think that's a problem that needs to be addressed. 
Go ahead. And one thing about that, I'm so glad you brought that up. It, that was everyone was blaming her. Like she was in the wrong for striking yeah. him. They yeah. kind of diminished the yeah. fact that he shot her. It, it was almost mm-hmm. like, well, you, again, mm-hmm. gaslighting, like Dan said. If you had not hit him, then he wouldn't have shot you. And so everybody mm-hmm. kind of condoned that he shot her. You have more people on his side and blasting her. Yeah, yeah. So we're like, so we're promoting a culture and leads to this. Look at the result. So how can we really be surprised? And then we demonize, we demonize the very organization and institution that's, I guess, on the other side of the scale trying to balance it out. You see? So what do you mean you know, by that, brother? What do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? We're demonizing. Well, what I mean by that is, uh, yeah. So we'll so we'll start with the term gaslighting because we know gaslighting is uh, is a manipulation. You know, psychological games that people want to play with the victim, right? So we know that uh, that when it like we'll take the more science temple of America for example. This is an organization that I belong to, right? I'm telling you, uh, folks, I deal with some stuff, right? When I'm out on the highways and the hedges, you know what I'm saying? And then they, you know, and I raise the issue. We call it truth reverse in the more science temple, you know, meaning those who want to take what's actually happening and then they want to reverse it. They want to flip it on you, which is gaslighting. So we, so there's a lot of opposition to many organizations who want to come and I guess be that beacon of light. You know, take unto thyself a wife. Be a faithful member of your community. Um, promoting love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. Promoting being a voice in the community. Going to your city council meeting. Getting involved in local politics. All of these things is preventative maintenance so that we don't have the very things that we're talking about right now. And not to sound corny, but these things are in place so that we can live better lives. I don't care if it's it's uh, the various Christian denominations, the various uh, Islamic sects and groups, and the same thing when it comes to what we call Judaism. All of these things were things that's brought to so that we can have better lives. Like I think the Supreme Wisdom says, says uh, sit yourselves in heaven at once. Take these lessons and secure for yourselves better homes, better family and community relationships. Simple. But when you look at what's under attack, it's usually these organizations. Like I heard somebody mention the Easter Bunny when talking about Christianity. But when we're dealing with popular culture, that same energy is not used in attacking that. So we want it both ways, and we can't have it both ways. So that's all I'm saying. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. And Deborah Deborah Barry says facts. So she supports what you're saying. Facts. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, and that was my Megan Stallion voice. Dan Trez, uh, we can't have it both ways. You've talked about uh, that 90%, and I, I would challenge you on the number, but I think you said 90% of the hip hop music was demeaning the sisters. Um, <laughs> and you know, you and I are both hip hop heads. Um, do does our culture want it both ways? 
unmute yourself, bro. I can't do it for you. There you go. Yeah. I I agree with brother. No, I got you. My bad. I muted it when you you unmuted it. So I agree with brother L. I mean, in one way we can't. You know, I'm not somebody that says that if I if I write a rap about robbing a bank, that my listeners gonna go rob a bank. You know what I'm saying? But um, if we have a, a, a culture that's misogynistic, and we kind of like continue to, you know, repeat that and put that out there and put that energy out there. I shouldn't be surprised that someone is more actively misogynistic towards women, right? Um, you know, look, check this out. What we I don't consider him one of the best rappers of all time. I don't. But a lot of people consider Biggie one of the best rappers of their time. And he told us he's all about money, clothes, and hoes. So if that's who we is one of the best rappers of our time, then come on. Like we can't we can't have it both ways. You know, just like Brother L said, like we really can't be on that. You know, if we're saying if we're saying that Snoop Doggy Dog is one of the best top ten, you know what I mean? And everything, every rap he's talked about, he's talked about disrespecting women. You know, come on, man! Like that's that energy that's going out there. Uh, one last thing I wanted to tap into on our conversation is the fact that well, I'm saying the fact is. When I look at some of the things that are happening with the protests and the uprising, once again, power to the protesters. I see sisters out front. I see sisters out front. I see <laughs> sisters out front. Are we giving them the, the the support and the love that they need for doing that? I think it depends on who you ask. Danny, are we giving them the support? As a, as a historian, we, uh, we're not. Um, and I noticed that, um, and I'm speaking as a historian now, I'm putting my historian cap on. When you look at the the black freedom rights struggles of the 60s, that was predominantly women. It was predominantly women. When you look at the Black Panther Party, we're predominantly women. There were women in leadership positions, right? Um, when you look at, like, when you look at, you know, like, even John Lewis, like the late, great John Lewis, he was trained by... Um, Oh, I can't believe I forgot her name. Uh, Ella Baker. Ella Baker trained them. Ella Baker trained that entire generation of civil rights processors. And they, she never gets mentioned in the same vein as Martin Luther King, right? Elaine Brown took over the Black Panther Party when Huey Newton fled to, to uh, Cuba. But no one talks about her, right? So a lot of times we erase black women from this discussion. We really do. Ida B. Wells Barnett. She was a lion. You know what I mean? She used to walk around with a pen and a gun. You know, and she she had a shoot away out of some things, right? And she talked about lynching, but she rarely gets mentioned when we talk about you know black leadership in this country. And um, so I see I see it happen now. I see a lot of us continue to raise. You know, the founders of Black Lives Matter were three black women, right? And that always gets erased. That always gets you know put under the rug. You know, and I don't think that's you know as a historian, of course, that's I can't be doing that. I can't erase people that that are involved i can't erase them from that history but we do it all the time we do it all the time wow natalie do you feel as a sister is that there there's a level of erasure that you have to deal with that we may not be aware of my male privilege may blind me of is there a level of erasure uh, do you get this respect and uh, do you think that women get the 
the honor that they deserve. Ask me that way. I'm on a show with three men. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a setup. <laughs> uh, no, I don't feel. Like, I honestly, I don't feel like I do. No, I I think it could be more. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I wanted to say um, like initially when I said that I think it depends on who you ask. Uh, if you're asking someone that's in the Moorish movement, they'll tell you, yeah, you know, from my perspective, I mean, we teach that the woman is the first teacher, all right, and that the womb is the first school. Uh, you know, chapter two of the Holy Quran of the Moorish Science Temple of America, Circle 7, uh, the title of it is Mary and Elizabeth and their education in Zoan, Egypt. And it talks about where the prophets, uh, uh, Jesus and John the Harbinger, got their love and holy zeal from, right? And then also, like, even dealing with, um, like, even dealing with some of the teachings in the NOI, you know, they'll tell you the significance and the role of the woman in the family structure. They'll tell you and teach you that the woman is the nucleus of the family structure. Also, you know, like even when you're dealing with, like even, like we'll just say, like we'll take this for example. We know that when we're learning about uh, so-called black history, you already know that they're gonna talk about Harriet Tubman's role in the history. They're gonna bring up Rosa Parks and the role that she played in getting companies to respect the importance of our dollar. You know, when we're dealing with, um, like we'll take, um, I, I think they were talking about, I forget what it was that I was watching, but they was giving a sister credit for being the first so-called black female candidate to run for president who was Shirley Chisholm. So this is why I said that it depends on who you ask. You know, that's gonna be subjective. You see? And then it just depends on where you're plugged in at. You know, if you're just hearing one thing all day, if you're just focused on this, 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 and you're not very worldly and well-rounded, you know, you're going to have this to say instead of that. You see? So. Okay. Yeah. Well, l let's take this last, and I hate doing this because it kind of yeah. diminishes. We kind of highlight the problem and then we kind of low light the solution. But, uh, yeah. you know, starting with Dan Trez, because we did this show because of the beautiful, inspirational and, and informative podcast that you did. Uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Uh, how do we address this? Dan Trez only. How do we address this? I, I think the, the first thing that brothers need to do is we, we do need to hold first look at ourselves, like hold ourselves accountable. Like look in the mirror. Like, have I ever... And, I, and, I'm, and I'll be the first one to say yes. Have I ever gaslighted a sister that came to me with an issue? Yes, several times, right? Um, and, and then, that, so once I know that that's the issue, I need to go ahead and, and try to fix that, right? Um, second thing I tell a lot of us to do is, the first, you know, um, and it's funny because as much as I read, I read a lot, a sister had to check me and say, when was the last time you read a book written by a sister? I was like, oh shit. And I, I, I actually went through my library and I found like maybe two or three books that I had that was written by a black woman. 
And I said, I need to change that. So, um, and it's funny because this is, I had this discussion with somebody about, we were talking about, like everybody talks about um, Dr. Sabi, who I think is a charlatan, but we're not gonna go there. But no one talks about Queen of Fool and she's still alive. And Queen of Fool has been, been in the community doing the work, right? So uh, we need to really, if we're talking about focusing on the sisters, we need to go ahead and put our money where our mouth is and let's read the literature. Let's book them to speak. Let's bring them to our schools to talk. Let's bring them to our organization to speak. Let's interact with them. Let's buy them. Let's support what they do, right? Okay. And then the final thing we right. need to do is we need that work, man. Brother put in that work. Like I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, Brother Frederick Jones L. What's the solution, man? What do we do? Well, first, before before we can come up with solutions, we need to find out how widespread of a problem it is. Um, that's first and foremost. Again, I would like to see the math. You know, numbers don't lie. People do. So I would like to see that first before we can even determine if it is a a problem worthy of of remedy and then secondly um, I would say that the most potent truths the most simple things are the most excuse me the, the simple lessons are the most potent and it's I think it just comes back to the basics you already know what's right and wrong by your nature for the most part you know we already know uh, you know, common sense. You already know it's wrong to raise your hand and strike a sister. All right. Whether she's your helpmate, whether she's not, whether she's a relative, whether she's somebody in the community. I mean, like, I don't even think that that's something that that you should be taught at this point. You know, that's something that starts in the household. All right. So already, you know, it's right and wrong by your nature. And then number two, or lastly, rather, is we need to be the embodiment of all of the things that we talk. Cause I think we're becoming a, a community of just lit professors. And this is not a lit professed thing. Either you're the message that you bring or you aren't. And this is not about in a way, a block of wood can do the same. So this is about living your truth. And again, I'm gonna go back to this and not to repeat myself, but I'm gonna say this again and then I'll end it right here. I'm telling you all of the schools of thought pretty much say the same thing when it comes to how we should act in a community and how we should conduct ourselves amongst our immediate family, all right? You know, take unto thyself a wife, be a faithful member of the unit. And, and, you know, common sense tells you, don't do anything that would be destructive to that. I mean, it's really not complicated. So I'll end it with that. Yeah. I think you called my name. <laughs> um. So first, let me just say that I do have some right. numbers from 20, 2018 from the military. So this is per thousand couples and it goes by the rank. So um, and this is all active duty spouses um, and this is by their pay, pay grade. E1s through E3, 15,000. E4 through E6, 6,000. E7 through E9, 2,000. Um, 01 through 03, 1,000. 
zero four through zero ten, um, less than a thousand point eight. W O one through W O five, and forgive me because I don't know what that is. I'll tell you what it means. Okay, it's one thousand. And so, as you can see, like depending on their rank, it's either they're not reporting or they don't have those problems. Um, not making an excuse for domestic violence, but you see it more when there is a financial problem. All right. So I'll say this: the the E and E one through E four. The E means enlisted personnel. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's the core of the Navy. That's the, the, those are the rank and file people. So O is for officer. And W is for warrant officer. So a warrant is in between the O and the E. So again, the E is the lowest class. The O is the upper echelon. W is in between. And there's more enlisted than anybody else. So of course the numbers are going to be higher. And you saw that with the 15,000 that you mentioned. Now, all those numbers put together, that's out of how many entire service members that we have. Because we got to know those numbers based on how many service members we have. Like, for example, they said that that out of the 4 million cases of COVID that we had, 150,000 people died. I got to stop you for just a second, bro. I want to uh, make sure that we close out and we are just about to close out. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, so you came with the numbers. You started this, Natalie. You're going to have to do a, a total show by yourself to deal with the numbers. <laughs> uh, Natalie. Do it. I got to blame it on King. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Natalie, Natalie, what do we do to solve this problem? What do we do to help solve this problem? Um, you know, my whole thing of beginning to solve it is basically kind of what King said. Um, we have to know, we have to raise more awareness. Um, and just know that we're in an epidemic when it comes to um, domestic violence, when it comes to sexual assault, child abuse, and elder abuse. They do everything on the fly. And and a lot of times, like anything else, like we're dealing right now um, in the middle of a pandemic, we're dealing with justice for black people. And a lot of other races say that they don't understand it. Oh, it's not a problem. It's not a problem in my neighborhood. And so we have to understand that the same thing with sexual assault, child abuse, um, domestic violence, elder abuse, these things will hit your home when you look at one out of seven men, um, one out of three women, um, 1.5 million high school students will in, in their lifetime will deal with intimate partner violence and and the women that are being sexually assaulted it's a pandemic and so we have to raise awareness and then we have to figure out how we can fix it but we have to talk about it like you're doing right now on your show so 
kudos to you. Thank you for having me on. But the main thing is we have to raise awareness and we have to we have to come together, like Brother Dan said, in unity. We have to come together and figure out how we're gonna fix this. And so if you any of you need me, please call me. All right, all right. Uh, you can also catch uh, Natalie Purdy on make sure, make sure I get the right show The Real Housewives of Atlanta <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, so Dan Trez man, hey look, this show was all about the things that you brought to the table um, so I want to let you get the last word man, you know, you gave some of your solutions unmute yourself and Give the last words, good brother. Um, I just want to say real quick, uh, I did the podcast that way because a lot of brothers were asking me to do like a panel discussion and they wanted to have the sisters there. And I told them no, because I felt that I could not make sure that the sisters were safe and that it was, I, didn't, I didn't think it would be a safe space for them. Um, I felt that right. when, we, when they brought those issues up, Brothers would have been gaslighting them. Brothers would have been saying stuff like, you know, oh, you're, you're, you're breaking up the black family. You're doing these things. And I couldn't guarantee that not happening. So I told brothers that we need to talk first, right? Learn about these terms. Learn about what's going on. Talk about the numbers. Talk about anecdotes, all that stuff. And then we can have a broader discussion with the sisters because we got to hear them out. Mm. All right, good. Well, you've been checking out. Hey, thanks, Boteki. Uh, you've been checking out the Fly Guy Show. We actually get on code the Fly Guy Show, where we have a series of melanated conversations focused on improving our collective situation. We had on us today the good brother Dan Trez Omi from Where My Killer Tape At podcast. We had the good brother Frederick Jones Ill from the Morris Science Temple. We had the gorgeous Natalie Purdy, and you can find her all over TV uh, and her. If you check out her, let me see, what is it? Check her out on Instagram uh, at Survivor's Voice. All right, Survivor's Voice. And I want to say thanks to all the sisters who put in that work. All the sisters who put in that work, who did the hard job, who stood up for us. From the young ones to the ancestors. And we need to find ways to address the situation. Many of us have said that this is post-traumatic slavery disorder for our melanated men. Let's continue these conversations and find the solutions. I'm Seiko Vana. Remember, I can provide you with some great services that can help your financial health. But we're here today to deal with the situation of gaslighting and not valuing our sisters the way we should. So hopefully you've enjoyed this, uh, this particular episode. We thank you for tuning in. Power to the protesters. Peace and prosperity. Stay floss, 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 stay floss. The views expressed by the guests are only the views of the guests. Unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated. Stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss, stay floss.